Chapter Fifty of the Mutiny of the Elsinore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mutiny of the Elsinore by Jack London. Chapter Fifty. In the past twenty-four hours, many things have happened. To begin with, we nearly lost the steward in the second dog watch last evening. Through the slits in the ventilator, some man thrust a knife into the sacks of flour and cut them wide open from top to bottom. In the dark, the flour poured to the deck unobserved. Of course, the man behind could not see through the screen of empty sacks, but he took a blind pot shot at point-blank range when the steward went by, slip-sloppily dragging the heels of his slippers. Fortunately, it was a miss, but so close a miss was it that his cheek and neck were burned with powder grains. At six bells in the first watch came another surprise. Tom Spink came to me where I stood guard at the forward end of the poop. His voice shook as he spoke. "'For the love of God, sir, they've come,' he said. "'Who?' I asked sharply. "'Them,' he chattered. "'The ones that come aboard off the horn, sir, the three drowned sailors. "'They're here, aft, sir, the three of them, standing in a row by the wheel. "'How did they get there?' "'Being warlocks, they flew, sir.' You didn't see em go by you, did you, sir? No, I admitted. They never went by me. Poor Tom Spink groaned. But there are lines aloft there on which they could cross over from mizzen to jigger, I added. Send water to me. When the latter relieved me, I went aft. And there in a row were our three pale-haired storm waifs with the topaz eyes. In the light of a bull's-eye held on them by Lewis, their eyes never seemed more like the eyes of great cats. And heavens, they purred. At least the inarticulate noises they made sounded more like purring than anything else. That these sounds meant friendliness was very evident. Also, they held out their hands, palms upward, an unmistakable sign of peace. Each in turn doffed his cap and placed my hand for a moment on his head. Without doubt this meant their offer of fealty, their acceptance of me as master. I nodded my head. There was nothing to be said to men who purred like cats, while sign language in the light of the bull's eye was rather difficult. Tom Spink groaned protest when I told Lewis to take them below and give them blankets. I made the sleep sign to them, and they nodded gratefully, hesitated, then pointed to their mouths and rubbed their stomachs. Drowned men do not eat, I laughed to Tom Spink. Go down and watch them. Feed them up, Lewis, all they want. It's a good sign of short rations forward. At the end of half an hour, Tom Spink was back. Well, did they eat? I challenged him. But he was unconvinced. The very quantity they had eaten was a suspicious thing, and, further, he had heard of a kind of ghost that devoured dead bodies in graveyards. Therefore, he concluded, mere not eating was no test for a ghost. The third event of moment occurred this morning at seven o'clock. The mutineers called for a truce, and when Nosey Murphy, the Maltese Cockney, and the inevitable Charles Davis stood beneath me on the main deck, their faces showed lean and drawn. Famine had been my great ally. 
and in truth with margaret beside me in that high place of the break of the poop as i looked down on the hungry wretches i felt very strong never had the inequality of numbers fore and aft been less than now the three deserters added to our own nine made twelve of us while the mutineers after subtracting ditman olinson bob and the fawn totalled only an even score and of these bert rhine must certainly be in a bad way while there were many weaklings such as sundry byers nancy larry and lars jacobson well what do you want i demanded i haven't much time to waste breakfast is ready and waiting charles davis started to speak but i shut him off i'll have nothing out of you davis at least not now later on when i'm in that court of law you've bothered me with for half the voyage you'll get your turn at talking and when that time comes don't forget that i shall have a few words to say again he began but this time was stopped by nosey murphy ah shut your trap davis the gangster snarled or i'll shut it for you he glanced up at me we want to go back to work that's what we want which is not the way to ask for it i answered sir he said hastily that's better i commented oh my god sir don't let him come aft tom spink muttered hurriedly in my ear that'd be the end of all of us and even if they didn't get you and the rest they'd heave me over some dark night they ain't never going to forgive me sir for joining in with the afterguard i ignored the interruption and addressed the gangster there's nothing like going to work when you want to as badly as you seem to suppose all hands get sail on her just to show good intention we'd like to eat first sir he objected i'd like to see you setting sail first was my reply and you may as well get it from me straight that what i like goes aboard this ship i almost said hooker nosey murphy hesitated and looked to the maltese cockney for counsel the latter debated as if gauging the measure of his weakness while he stared aloft at the work involved finally he nodded all right sir the gangster spoke up we'll do it but can't something be cooking in the galley while we're doing it i shook my head i didn't have that in mind and i don't care to change my mind now when every sail is stretched and every yard braced and all that mess of gear cleared up food for a good meal will be served out you needn't bother about the spanker nor the mizzen braces we'll make your work lighter by that much in truth as they climbed aloft they showed how miserably weak they were there were some too feeble to go aloft poor sundry buyers continually pressed his abdomen as he toiled around the deck capstans and never was nancy's face quite so forlorn as when he obeyed the maltese cockney's command and went up to loose the mizzen skysail in passing i must note one delicious miracle that was worked before our eyes they were hoisting the mizzen upper topsail yard by means of one of the patent deck capstans although they had reversed the gear so as to double the purchase they were having a hard time of it lars jacobson was limping on his twice broken leg and with him were sundry byers tony the greek bombini and mulligan jacobs nosey murphy held the turn 
When they stopped from sheer exhaustion, Murphy's glance chanced to fall on Charles Davis, the one man who had not worked since the outset of the voyage, and who was not working now. "'Bear a hand, Davis,' the gangster called. Margaret gurgled low laughter in my ear as she caught the drift of the episode. The sea lawyer looked at the other in amazement, ere he answered, "'I guess not.' After nodding sundry buyers over to him to take the turn, Murphy straightened his back and walked close to Davis, then said very quietly, I guess yes. That was all. For a space neither spoke. Davis seemed to be giving the matter judicial consideration. The men at the capstan panted, rested, and looked on, all save Bombini, who slunk across the deck until he stood at Murphy's shoulder. Under such circumstances, the decision Charles Davis gave was eminently the right one, although even then he offered a compromise. "'I'll hold the turn,' he volunteered. "'You'll lump around one of them capstan bars,' Murphy said. The sea lawyer made no mistake. He knew in all absoluteness that he was choosing between life and death, and he limped over to the capstan and found his place and as the work started and as he toiled around and around the narrow circle margaret and i shamelessly and loudly laughed our approval and our men stole forward along the poop to peer down at the spectacle of charles davis at work all of which must have pleased nosey murphy for as he continued to hold the turn and coil down he kept a critical eye on davis more juice davis he commanded with an abrupt sharpness and Davis, with a startle, visibly increased his efforts. This was too much for our fellows, who, Asiatics and all, applauded with laughter and hand-clapping. And what could I do? It was a gala day, and our faithful ones deserved some little recompense of amusement. So I ignored the breach of discipline and of poop etiquette by strolling away aft with Margaret. At the wheel was one of our storm-waves. I set the course due east for Valparaiso and sent the steward below to bring up sufficient food for one substantial meal for the mutineers. "'When do we get our next grub, sir?' Nosey Murphy asked, as the steward served the supplies down to him from the poop. "'At midday,' I answered, "'and as long as you and your gang are good, you'll get your grub three times each day. You can choose your own watches any way you please.' but the ship's work must be done and done properly if it isn't then the grub stops that will do now go forward one thing more sir he said quickly bert rhine is awful bad he can't see sir it looks like he's going to lose his face he can't sleep he groans all the time it was a busy day. I made a selection of things from the medicine chest for the acid-burned gangster, and, finding that Murphy knew how to manipulate a hypodermic syringe, entrusted him with one. Then, too, I practiced with a sextant, and think I fairly caught the sun at noon, and correctly worked up the observation. But this is latitude, and is comparatively easy. Longitude is more difficult. But I am reading up on it. All afternoon a gentle northerly fan of air snored the Elsinore through the water at a five-knot clip, and our course lay east for land, for the habitation of man, for the law and order that men institute whenever they organize into groups. Once in Valparaiso, with police flag flying, 
our mutineers will be taken care of by the shore authorities another thing i did was to rearrange our watches aft so as to split up the three storm visitors margaret took one in her watch along with the two sailmakers tom spink and lewis lewis is half white and all trustworthy so that at all times on deck or below he is told off to the task of never letting the topaz-eyed one out of his sight in my watch are the steward buckwheat wada and the other two topaz-eyed ones and to one of these wada is told off and to the other is assigned the steward we are not taking any chances always day and night on duty or off these storm strangers will have one of our proved men watching them yes and i tried the stranger men out last evening it was after a council with margaret she was sure and i agreed with her that the men forward are not blindly yielding to our bringing them in to be prisoners in valparaiso as we tried to forecast it their plan is to desert the elsinore and the boats as soon as we fetch up with the land also considering some of the bitter lunatic spirits forward there would be a large chance of their drilling the elsinore's steel sides and scuttling her ere they took to the boats for scuttling a ship is surely as ancient a practice as mutiny on the high seas so it was at one in the morning that i tried out our strangers two of them i took forward with me in the raid on the small boats one i left beside margaret who kept charge of the poop on the other side of him stood the steward with his big hacking knife by signs i had made it clear to him and to his two comrades who were to accompany me forward that at the first sign of treachery he would be killed and not only did the old steward with signs emphatic and unmistakable pledge himself to perform the execution but we were all convinced that he was eager for the task with margaret i also left buckwheat and tom spink wada the two sailmakers lewis and the two topaz-eyed ones accompanied me in addition to fighting weapons we were armed with axes we crossed the main deck unobserved gained the bridge by way of the midship house and by way of the bridge gained the top of the forward house here were the first boats we began work on but first of all i called in the lookout from the forecastle head he was mulligan jacobs and he picked his way back across the wreck of the bridge where the fore gallant yard still lay and came up to me unafraid as implacable and bitter as ever jacobs i whispered you are to stay here beside me until we finish the job of smashing the boats do you get that as though it could frighten me he growled all too loudly go ahead for all i care i know your game and i know the game of the hell's maggots under our feet this minute tis they that had desert in the boats tis you that'll smash the boats and jail em kit and crew Shh, i vainly interpolated what of it he went on as loudly as ever they're sleepin with full bellies the only night watch we keep is the lookout even rhine's asleep a few jolts of the needle has put a clapper to his eternal moaning go on with your work smash the boats tis nothing i care tis well i know my own crooked back is worth more to me than the next of the scum of the world below there if you felt that way why didn't you join us i queried because i like you no better than them and not half so well they're what you and your fathers have made em 
and who in hell are you and your fathers robbers of the toil of men i like them little i like you and your fathers not at all only i like myself and me crooked back that's a livin proof there ain't no god and makes browning a liar join us now i urged meeting him in his mood it will be easier for your back to hell with you was his answer go ahead and smash the boats you can hang some of them but you can't touch me with the law tis me that's a crippled creature of circumstance too weak to raise a hand against any man a feather blown about by the windy contention of men strong in their back and brainless in their heads as you please i said as i can't help pleasin he retorted being what i am and so made for the little flesh between the darknesses which men call life and why couldn't i have been the butterfly or a fat pig in a full trough or a mere mortal man with a straight back and women to love me go on and smash the boats play hell to the top of your bent like me you'll end in the darkness and your darkness'll be as dark as mine a full belly puts the spunk back into you i sneered tis on an empty belly that the juice of my dislike turns to acid go on and smash the boats whose idea was the sulphur i asked i'm not tellin you the man but i envied him until it showed failure and whose idea was it to douse the sulphuric into rhine's face he'll lose that same face from the way it's shutting nor will i tell you i said though i will tell you that i am glad the idea was not mine oh well he muttered cryptically different customs on different ships as the cook said when he went forward to cast off the spanker sheet not until the job was done and i was back on the poop did i have time to work out the drift of that last figure in its terms of the sea mulligan jacobs might have been an artist a philosophic poet had he not been born crooked with a crooked back and we smashed the boats with axes and sledges it was an easier task than i had imagined on top of both houses we left the boats masses of splintered wreckage the topaz-eyed ones working most energetically and we regained the poop without a shot being fired the forecastle turned out of course at our noise but made no attempt to interfere with us and right here i register another complaint against the sea novelists a score of men forward desperate all with desperate deeds behind them and jail and the gallows facing them not many days away should have only begun to fight and yet this score of men did nothing while we destroyed their last chance for escape but where did they get the grub the steward asked me afterwards this question he has asked me every day since the first day mr pike began cudgelling his brains over it i wondered had i asked mulligan jacobs the question if he would have told me at any rate in court at valparaiso that question will be answered in the meantime i suppose i shall submit to having the steward ask me it daily it is murder and mutiny on the high seas i told them this morning when they came aft in a body to complain about the destruction of the boats and to demand my intentions and as i looked down upon the poor wretches from the break of the poop standing there in the high place the vision of my kind down all its mad violent and masterful past was strong upon me 
Already, since our departure from Baltimore, three other men, masters, had occupied this high place and gone their way. The samurai, Mr. Pike, and Mr. Mallair. I stood there, fourth, no seaman, merely a master by the blood of my ancestors, and the work of the Elsinore in the world went on. Bert Rhine, his head and face swathed in bandages, stood there beneath me, and I felt for him a tingle of respect. He, too, in a subterranean, ghetto way, was master over his rats. Nosey Murphy and Kid Twist stood shoulder to shoulder with their stricken gangster leader. It was his will, because of his terrible injury, to get into land and doctors as quickly as possible. He preferred taking his chance in court against the chance of losing his life, or, perhaps, his eyesight. The crew was divided against itself, and Isaac Chance, the Jew, his wounded shoulder with a hunch to it, seemed to lead the revolt against the gangsters. His wound was enough to convict him in any court, and well he knew it. Beside him, and at his shoulders, clustered the Maltese Cockney, Andy Fay, Arthur Deacon, Frank Fitzgibbon, Richard Geller, and John Hackey. In another group still allegiant to the gangsters were men such as Shorty, Sorensen, Lars Jacobson, and Larry. Charles Davis was prominently in the gangster group. A fourth group was composed of sundry buyers, Nancy, and Tony the Greek. This group was distinctly neutral. And finally, unaffiliated, quite by himself, stood Mulligan Jacobs, listening, I fancy, to far echoes of ancient wrongs, and feeling, I doubt not, the bite of the iron-hot hooks in his brain. "'What are you going to do with us, sir?' Isaac Chance demanded of me, in defiance to the gangsters who were expected to do the talking. Bert Ryan lurched angrily toward the sound of the Jew's voice. Chance's partisans drew closer to him. "'Jail you,' I answered from above, "'and it shall go as hard with all of you as I can make it hard.' "'Maybe you will and maybe you won't,' the Jew retorted. "'Shut up, Chance,' Bert Rhine commanded. "'And you'll get yours, you wop,' Chance snarled, "'if I have to do it myself.' I am afraid that I am not so successfully the man of action that I have been priding myself on being, for, so curious and interested was I in observing the moving drama beneath me, that for the moment I failed to glimpse the tragedy into which it was culminating. Bombini, Bert Rhine said. His voice was imperative. It was the order of a master to the dog at heel. Bombini responded. He drew his knife and started to advance upon the Jew, but a deep rumbling, animal-like in its sound and menace, arose in the throats of those about the Jew. Bombini hesitated and glanced back across his shoulder at the leader, whose face he could not see for bandages, and who he knew could not see. "'Tis a good deed. Do it, Bombini,' Charles Davis encouraged. "'Shut your face, Davis,' came out from Bert Rhine's bandages." Kid Twist drew a revolver, shoved the muzzle of it first into Bombini's side, then covered the men about the Jew. Really, I felt a momentary twinge of pity for the Italian. He was caught between the millstones. Bombini, stick that Jew, Bert Rhine commanded. 
the italian advanced a step and shoulder to shoulder on either side kid twist and nosey murphy advanced with him i cannot see him bert rhine went on but by god i will see him and so speaking with one single virile movement he tore away the bandages the toll of pain he must have paid is beyond measurement i saw the horror of his face but the description of it is beyond the limits of any english i possess i was aware that margaret at my shoulder gasped and shuddered bombini stick him the gangster repeated and stick any man that raises a yap murphy see that bombini does his work murphy's knife was out and at the bravo's back kid twist covered the jew's group with his revolver and the three advanced it was at this moment that i suddenly recollected myself and passed from dream to action bombini i said sharply he paused and looked up stand where you are i ordered till i do some talking chance make no mistake rhine is boss forward you take his orders until we get into valparaiso then you'll take your chances along with him in jail in the meantime what rhine says goes get that and get it straight i am behind rhine until the police come on board bombini do whatever rhine tells you i'll shoot the man who tries to stop you deacon stand away from chance go over to the fife rail all hands knew the stream of lead my automatic rifle could throw and arthur deacon knew it he hesitated barely a moment then obeyed fitzgibbon giller hackey i called in turn and was obeyed fay i called twice ere the response came isaac chance stood alone and bombini now showed eagerness chance i said don't you think it would be healthier to go over to the fife rail and be good he debated the matter not many seconds resheathed his knife and complied the tang of power i was minded to let literature get the better of me and read the rascals a lecture but thank heaven i had sufficient proportion and balance to refrain rhine i said he turned his corroded face up to me and blinked in an effort to see as long as chance takes your orders leave him alone we'll need every hand to work the ship in as for yourself send murphy aft in half an hour and i'll give him the best the medicine chest affords that is all go forward and they shambled away beaten and dispirited but that man his face what happened to him margaret asked of me sad it is to end love with lies sadder still it is to begin love with lies i had tried to hide this one happening from margaret and i had failed it could no longer be hidden save by lying and so i told her the truth told her how and why the gangster had had his face dashed with sulfuric acid by the old steward who knew white men and their ways there is little more to write the mutiny of the elsinore is over the divided crew is ruled by the gangsters who are as intent on getting their leader into port as i am intent on getting all of them into jail the first lap of the voyage of the elsinore draws to a close two days at most with our present sailing will bring us into valparaiso and then as beginning a new voyage the elsinore will depart for seattle
one thing more remains for me to write and then this strange log of a strange cruise will be complete it happened only last night i am yet fresh from it in a thrill with it and with the promise of it margaret and i spent the last hour of the second dog watch together at the break of the poop it was good again to feel the elsinore yielding to the wind pressure on her canvas to feel her slipping and sliding through the water in an easy sea hidden by the darkness clasped in each other's arms we talked love and love plans nor am i ashamed to confess i was all for immediacy once in valparaiso i contended we would fit out the elsinore with fresh crew and officers and send her on her way as for us steamers and rapid travelling would fetch us quickly home furthermore valparaiso being a place where such things as licenses and ministers obtained we would be married ere we caught the fast steamers for home but margaret was obdurate the wests have always stood by their ships she urged had always brought their ships into the ports intended or had gone down with their ships in the effort the elsinore had cleared from baltimore for seattle with the wests in the high place the elsinore would re-equip with officers and men in valparaiso and the elsinore would arrive in seattle with the west still on board but think dear heart i objected the voyage will require months remember what henley has said every kiss we take or give leaves us less of life to live she pressed her lips to mine we kiss she said but i was stupid oh the weary weary months i complained you dear silly she gurgled don't you understand i understand only that it is many a thousand miles from valparaiso to seattle i answered you won't understand she challenged i am a fool i admitted i am aware of only one thing i want you i want you you are a dear but you are very very stupid she said and as she spoke she caught my hand and pressed the palm of it against her cheek what do you feel she asked hot cheeks cheeks most hot i am blushing for what your stupidity compels me to say she explained you have already said that such things as licenses and ministers obtained in valparaiso and-and well you mean i stammered just that she confirmed the honeymoon shall be on the elsinore from valparaiso all the way to seattle i rattled on the many thousands of miles the weary weary months she teased in my own intonations until I stifled her teasing with my lips. End of chapter 50 End of The Mutiny of the Elsinore by Jack London The Mutiny of the Elsinore was narrated by Tom Crawford in Cool, California, USA, and proof listened by Sheila Mitchell in Nottinghamshire, England.